the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're choosing not to be a stumbling block. You're knowing what you believe. You're keeping Christ central. That's what he said. Stay in the center. Don't get out on the margins, focusing on things you shouldn't be. And then I love number four. Don't say everything you think. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word or turn it on and go to Romans chapter 14. If you you don't have one, you can even take out your device and just in the search bar on your browser, you can just type in Romans 14 and I promise it, it will take you there. But we're going to continue our series through this letter to the church at Rome, the book of Romans, we call it, by the Apostle Paul. The series is called How to Change the World. And in today's message, I really just want to focus on this theme. We belong to the Lord. One of the reasons we have difficulty changing the world as those who represent Christ is because we get caught up on the differences and the challenges that we have between ourselves. I can remember understanding this as a child. I would hear these words, well, they're, they're leaving our church, or they're going to another church now. You see, I grew up in a pastor's home in a small town, and I learned at a, at a young age that not everybody who loves Jesus always gets along with one another. I remember the weird feelings in that town when then we would see those people at a restaurant or at a grocery store. It it would feel like something wasn't right. And in fact, it wasn't. Something was broken. Relationships were broken. Things were not the same as they had been. So candidly, as an outflow of this reality, as I was growing up, there's one thing I knew that I did not want to do. I I did not want to be a pastor. I, I did not want to go through some of those challenges that I'd observed. My parents were godly and my brother and I loved church. They didn't come home and talk about the church badly or we, we didn't know about all those difficulties, but I saw enough, particularly as I got a little older. So when I was 12 years old, I, I believe at a, a camp in the summer, God invoked into my life his call to serve him in ministry. But by the time I'd made that three-hour journey from the mountains of South Carolina back to the sand hills, I had talked myself out of that because I knew that surely there must be other ways to, to, to follow after God. I, I can remember one occasion specifically just walking in the backyard of, of our home with my dad and just, 
just talking about some of the challenges that he was facing at that point after more than 20 years in the same church. I, I didn't want that. I didn't want the hurt of experiencing broken relationships. But eventually I answered that call because the reality is when, when, call, when God is calling you to do something, you're either going to live miserably in disobedience or you're going to get right with him and answer. Those are the only alternatives. And so I answered that call and began to serve God. And one of the first places was a part-time youth minister position. And I'll never forget, I'd done something that some parents didn't like. Imagine that. And so they were mad at me. And I was calling my dad for solace and comfort. After all, he was my my father, but he was also my mentor and my pastor. And so I'd explain the situation. And I, I waited on the other side of the line for him to tell me how I was right and how things could be better. And I, I simply heard these words, son, you need to get thicker skin or get out of the ministry. It wasn't what I was expecting. Um, and so I said, hey, is mom home? <laughs> you, you know, the reality is he was trying to tell me sometimes that is just part of it. But I would grow as a young pastor and, and I would lead churches and ministries of my own. And I would see people disagree and regularly over significant theological issues. But I'd watch them leave the church and I would remember feeling those same feelings that I felt as a child. I remember here in Florida, I was with a small group of pastors who gathered with Dr. Adrian Rogers at his last meeting with other pastors before he went to heaven. And somebody asked him, in all your years of ministry, this great pastor, worldwide television ministry, huge church he led, what's the toughest thing that you faced in ministry? And and he didn't hesitate. He said, hands down, the toughest thing I ever faced is that I felt like I invested in people's lives. And I would, maybe I was there when their children were born or when their kids got married or when their parents died. I, I walked them through the, the mountaintops and the valleys. And, and then something would happen. They would get a disagreement over a, a philosophy, over a decision I made, uh, over something in the church, and, and they would leave mad. And then he he continued, he said, and, and all too often they would just take other people with them. Even this week, as we mourn the death of a, a great preacher, Dr. Charles Stanley, I can remember as a young pastor hearing him talk to pastors about ministry and hearing him tell the story that when he went to First Baptist Church of Atlanta, he had not been there long when, when I think on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, one of the deacons came on stage and literally punched him in the face. He lasted for 50 years after that as pastor of the church. But I don't think I have to tell you this because you've lived life. You, a lot of you have been members of churches, not just this church. You, you recognize that we're different and you go through this journey of faith and as a follower of Christ and you realize there are things you disagree with and you disagree even with others who share your faith. And some of them seem like a big deal. And others seem like marginal issues and, and you, you go forward. But sometimes these things get in the way and they present a problem. And so we've got this question, how do I live in community in a family of faith with these people with whom I disagree and yet not lose my testimony for Christ by becoming disagreeable? How do I handle the differences of my opinion or or preference or theology with other Christians? How do we live in unity with other followers of Jesus in midst of great diversity? And, And that's what the apostle Paul is dealing with in Romans chapter 14. 
me give you a quick review. Romans 1 through 11, those first 11 chapters are dealing with the gospel, our salvation, specifically what we've called soteriology. What does it look like to be saved? Why do we even use that term saved? What, is, what does it mean that we're saved by grace alone, through, through faith alone and Christ alone? And then in chapter 12, there's a shift and Paul moves from a description of the gospel, what the gospel is, to showing us a picture of the gospel, what the gospel does. How do we live out our salvation for the glory of God? So more from theology to what we would call doxology. Doxology just means the praise of God. And so what he's saying is, how does it look like when those of us who are followers of Jesus live our lives for the praise of God? So we move from the convictions that we have to the conduct that we express, from the beliefs that we possess to the behavior that we live out, from the doctrines that we hold dear to the duties in our faith. And then here in chapter 14, in in this diverse church in Rome, he has a family discussion. And, And you do understand it would have been a very diverse church because all roads lead to Rome. It was a maybe the most diverse city in the known world. So so you would have had former Jewish, maybe rabbis like Paul, scholars who, who knew the Old Testament word for word. A lot of them memorized the, the first five books that we have in our Bible. And then you'd have brand new Christians who had followed Christ. They were Gentiles and they converted and, and they were just enjoying the freedom that they had in Christ. And, and they, they would come together, but they didn't always get along. So Paul had a family meeting, and and I would just pause and say, that's that's kind of what we're doing here today. This message, as much as any I've ever preached, is geared toward those who are part of the family of God. You're already followers of Christ. You understand this thing at least somewhat. Now, I've got good news. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, which I'm confident someone is, you're going to see that that you shouldn't let the way we sometimes behave keep you from running after Jesus. And I'm going to give you a chance to, to even do that before we end our time together. You're going to see as followers of Christ how we navigate those differences. And you're going to see that because in many ways, if you were to sum up this whole chapter, chapter 14 of Romans, you could sum it up in that phrase that I've already told you. We belong to the Lord. Let's say that together. We belong to the Lord. But I also want to fast forward and just set the tone because you've got to ask, why does this even matter? You know, don't you ever wonder after you began a relationship with Christ, why didn't God just zap me on to heaven? I mean, why didn't I just get to enjoy the pearly gates and the golden streets immediately? Why do I have to live through this life where it seems like I'm going to fail, I'm going to fall back, I'm going to fight? Why can't I just enjoy my faith in a better way? Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now, 
we continue with our message. Romans 15 and verses 5 and 6, it tells us why. May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that when Christ's followers learn to display unity, even in our diversity, it always brings glory to God. And that's what God wants from you, from your life. He wants glory. He wants praise. He wants honor from you in your life. He doesn't expect you to be super Christian or the most knowledgeable theologian, but he does want your attitudes and your actions in life to give him praise, to give him glory. And this passage talks about how to do that. And and so this is really, really important. So before we begin to climb through it, I want to pray one more time. Because I'm, I'm thinking, man, we're in at least three categories here. So let me just walk through those so, so you know how I've been praying for you and how I'll continue to do so. Some of you, man, as you hear this, you're going to realize I've got divisions and, and, and conflicts relationally, maybe in a past church or maybe just with other people that I've not handled the way God wants me to handle them. And my prayer is that through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the words of the preacher, but to God's presence, that you might recognize that there's some things that need to be adjusted. There's others of you, um, maybe that you're here, and, and you're, you're struggling with things even in this church, and, and you're wondering, how do I navigate this? I, I don't agree with that or with, with these decisions or how this is done. And, and And so you wonder, how do I do that? Is it possible to to honor Jesus and love people and get this right. And and yet there's others of you, the third category, that you don't have that relationship with God. And and the truth is, one of the things that has held you back is you've watched people like me, like us, most of us. We don't always get this right. And, And sometimes we're an embarrassment to the cause of Christ. And, and so people like you who may be seeking and searching and, and wondering, is this real? You've not yet taken that step. And, and my prayer for you today is that you would see that Jesus is so real that he's worth running after and that his church, though an imperfect hospital for sinners, has a place for you. So I, I want to pray to that end. Eternal Father, In the name of Jesus, I ask you, meet us here. It's moving out everything that so easily distracts and entangles us in our mind and our heart and help us to hear from you. Help our ears and our heart and our mind to be open, Lord. Bring about change and start with me, the speaker. Let the words I say in my thoughts be pleasing to you, Lord. Teaching us. Giving us everything we need. Making us more like you. Lord, I I pray that the result of this time together would be unity in your body and in your church with a capital C. 
And Lord, I, I pray that you would spark something in, in Mission Hill in this church that, that spreads among our friends and family who may be in other places of worship. But Lord, hear our heart that we just want to get this right. And we do that not for simply our good, but for your glory. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is the word of God from Romans 14, beginning in verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and, and they'll stand or fall, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You, then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, and then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I want to remind you where I said I want to land the plane in a few minutes. It's, it's the big idea. Here it is. When, when Christ's followers learn to display unity, even in our diversity, it brings glory to God. Christ's follower, don't you want your life to bring glory to God? Let me, let me give you the context of this passage. What was going on? Well, there's division in the church. And that's really important that you understand that everything I'm talking about really is talking about in the church. This is not talking about pointing fingers at what those are doing out there in the world. This is the church internally saying, we've got some challenges. I love that the Bible is not, it, it doesn't sugarcoat either the people in scriptures or the churches that are referenced. Isn't it amazing that not long after the resurrection of, of Jesus, the early church had problems. They were full of sinful people like you and me. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for a perfect church, whatever you do, if you think you found one, don't join it because you'll mess it up. You're a sinner like me. I mean, we, we are the problem. Not only was there division in the church, but according to Paul, there was div division over disputable matters, issues that were not clearly addressed in Scripture, issues that maybe... God had not commanded them to do or, or commanded them not to do. There were no proclamation of right or wrong. And so all these diverse people would come together and, and they found themselves squabbling, quarreling over these issues that were not that important. In fact, 
they're focused on two main issues, diets and dates. First of all, they're diets. Did you catch it? He said, some of you, you, you feel like it's okay to eat meat. Others of you are vegetarians. You're, you're like, no, 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 can't do that. No bacon for us. And what does he say? He says, eh, if you like eating bacon, go to IHOP, go for it. You like steak, go to Golden Corral. If you don't like it, that's okay. Have your salad bar. But, but don't get in each other's face about this. He was recognizing there were good people on both sides of this argument. Some of them were making their decisions based on what they had convictions about in their faith. But rather than that being a personal conviction that they had, they had begun to impose it on somebody else. And it had created conflict in the church. The, the other issue were these special days. Now, you know what had happened? The Jewish people had always gathered for worship when? On the Sabbath. When was the Sabbath? Sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And now all these people that would eventually be called Christians, these little Christ, they began to say, let's gather on the first day of the week. Why? Because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So let's gather on the first day of the, the week. It, it became Sunday and, and let's worship. And then it became a conflict. In fact, there were all these feasts in the Jewish law. And so they decided to squabble over that. Should we keep doing this or should we stop doing this? Is it bad if we do it? Is it bad if we don't do it? And all of these things began to just rise up in the church. And what Paul was trying to do in this passage of Scripture is give a simple concept. Don't elevate your principles over God's precepts. Boy, I think that's something true in our lives today. We have to be careful about taking these things that we think are important to us and, and putting them above God's word in our lives. Think about that in our context, just our church, Mission Hill. We're not a small church. Our church, when we gather, we, we have different people from all over. Just today, we'll have four different worship services on three different campuses. When we come together, there'll be people from at least 65 nations of origin. And you know what everybody has? An opinion, a background, a culture. And there are a lot of things that would be disputable issues that we could talk about. Let me see if I can explain this to you. When I, when I was growing up in church, um, and in our church, ladies, it was not considered okay for you to wear pants to church. In fact, I feel like I was an older person, maybe out of the home when I saw my mom begin to wear pants. And so in the last service, I said, hey, and yet when you see her in the next service, she'll be wearing pants. And just a minute ago, one of our guys ran to me and he said, hey, just FYI, your mom wore a dress today. <laughs> but, but if we're not careful we could even elevate things like, what you dress? How silly does that sound? But, but, but what you wear to church as something that's right or wrong. And, and then there's things like what we sing in church, like our, our worship styles. When I grew up, um, man, the, the worship person, the music minister, we called him, would say, shall we stand as we sing hymn 342? And we would all take out that red Baptist hymnal that was in the seat back in front of us, and we would open that hymn, and we would sing... Verses 1, 2, and 4, no more, no less, 
and then we would be seated. We wouldn't sing things over and over and over again. So if you're not careful, you grew up like I did, you begin to think, hey, this is the way you do music in church. And so if we're not doing it that way, it must be bad. But then I became a parent. And I realized there's all kinds of things like this. So when we started having children, a book series came out. And I was like, should we get these books and read them to our kids? And, and then I would hear people say about Harry Potter, oh, no, don't do that. You're introducing witchcraft. You're, this is about demons. Don't take your kids down that path. And then I began to realize there were other things. That, and in Baptist churches... We were told we can't do. And then I tried to do it and realized they're right. I can't do it. Like, we're not supposed to dance because we can't dance. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9, here on Faith Talk Tampa. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.